Recently, I asked Erica Gallantin to join me for a discussion on a natural approach to menopause. I've been dealing with certain symptoms of my own and decided I wanted to bring in the big guns to help me figure out how I could go through this next phase of my life with as much grace and ease as possible. Erica is a clinical herbalist and certified clinical aromatherapist. She holds a degree in herbal medicine from the University of Wales and the Scottish School of Herbal Medicine in Glasgow. She's a professional member of the National Institute of Medical Herbalists and the American Herbalists Guild. Today, we take a deep dive into menopause, perimenopause, hormone balancing, and a natural approach to all of that. Take a listen. Welcome to the Always Evolving Podcast. This is a podcast about living an awake, aware, conscious life. If it helps to evolve us as individuals, we will likely cover it at some point on this podcast. Because after all, we are always evolving and in all ways. I'm your host, Erica Boucher. I'm here with Erica Gallantin, and I want to start, Erica, by saying thank you so much for taking the time to to do this with me today. You're very, very welcome. It's a really important topic, I think, so I'm, I'm very happy to be here. It is an important topic, and so I've got kind of two motivations for doing this. First, it's Women's History Month, and it just feels, it feels good to focus on women and women's health. And also I am turning 50 this year and just, I've started going through my change and got confirmation from my doctor that I am definitely in perimenopause, that I'm in that menopausal range. And so I'm noticing changes. And the question I've wondered is whether or not I should go on any type of bioidentical hormone replacement therapy or anything like that. And because my goal is to sail through menopause as gracefully as possible. Because I think the picture that I have in my mind of women going through menopause is not a pretty one. <laughs> and so, so I started thinking there's got to be healthy, healthy, natural, alternative ways that we can keep ourselves our hormones in balance, whether we're in menopause or not, because I'm imagining, I mean, hormone balancing is something that's important throughout our lives, even though we put a lot of energy and focus on it during the big change. But so tell me how you approach hormone balancing with people. Yeah. So there's, I think there's a few points that I really would love to, to dive in on. And first and foremost, um, you know, something that you just touched on, which is this, you know, I think we could maybe say if, if we put, you know, America or the United States culture into, uh, into one box just for a minute to say that generally speaking, the way that we are taught the information that is given to us, especially as women um, approaching the menopause, is that the menopause transition is this really horrible, horrific experience that really needs to be medicated. 
Um, and it's interesting because when, you know, I, I wrote a really extensive paper on this um, for the Herbal Academy several years ago, I was really exploring the kind of historical precedent um, leading up to this kind of sociocultural perception about what the menopause really is for women and, and why it had taken on this, you know, a very natural process, which our bodies are designed very well to do, had somehow become this horrible thing that needed to be feared and controlled and medicated. And I, I thought it was fascinating really looking at it from the historical perspective, because at a certain period of time, um, you know, specifically around when, uh, you know, hormone replacement therapy was first discovered uh, as a marketable product, we really start to see the narrative surrounding the menopause transition turn from one of, you know, your body was designed to do this, this is a natural process to, uh, you know, you are going to be useless and deficient and you need hormones in order to stay quote unquote forever feminine. So we had this large marketing campaign come at us as a gender, um, you know, specifically looking at the menopause from this, you need help state. And it's arguable as well that, you know, it, it's not to say that women don't have physical experiences that they were, you know, taking to their doctors. And of course you look at the, the medical literature through history um, surrounding the menopause, you know, doctors are writing about these symptomatic experiences because that's what they're witnessing in their, in their practices. Um, and so, so I think, you know, those two angles really set the stage for, um, you know, this, this kind of larger sociocultural perception that the menopause is a state of deficiency and lacking and that somehow you need to medicate yourself through it. So that's kind of the first side of it. And as an, as an herbalist working with women uh, traversing the menopause, one of the first things that you know, I really work very hard to do with them is to kind of reframe this experience um, because that in, in its of itself, that, that psychology and that psychological shift of perspective can be medicinal in its own value, you know? So, um, so that's the, that's the first side of it. So, and then, you know, looking over to, you know, this idea of, um, you know, balancing hormones. It's a, it's a really interesting kind of concept that um, I think it's kind of unique, you know, to the, the, the natural health practitioner world. Um, you know, from a pharmaceutical perspective, balancing hormones is usually about just getting on a birth control pill or taking HRT or ERT. Um, but from this, you know, kind of more natural health practitioner perspective, there is a lot of dialogue about needing to control uh, and balance hormones. Um, and it's interesting, you know, from a kind of a more of a feminist perspective, uh, it's a very patriarchal approach to the human body, right? So we're, we're going to go in and we're going to assume that the body doesn't know what it's doing, uh, that our hormones are all over the place and, you know, um, they need to be controlled. And so, you know, that's another perspective that I take that's slightly different than, um, than the norm of, you know, to me, hormones in, in general are, are kind of the tip of the, of the endocrine iceberg. Um, and there's a lot going on underneath the surface that can be nurtured and supported. Um, and then the hormones and your hormone cycles then kind of follow suit. And so, you know, when I'm working with, with women approaching the menopause transition and even traversing the menopause transition, um, you know, my perspectives are that, you know, A, the, the body knows what it's doing. We are designed for this. You are made for this. 
um, and that we really need to be looking from uh, looking at things from the perspective of, of building up from the ground up um, and making sure that the body has all of the nourishment it needs, um, you know, which could include nutrients, but also, you know, things like movement and exercise and oxygen, <laughs> sunlight, these things to be able to then do this work for itself. So that's kind of the preface, I would say. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And that's why I wanted to talk to you because everywhere else in my life, my main goal and approach is about finding balance. And so it seems natural that there's a natural way to find balance in this scenario as well. But it's outside of my knowledge. It's new to me, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, you never really think about getting here and as a woman, and then suddenly you're here and you're thinking, wow, I'm sure there's a lot that I could know about this that I just never bothered looking into. It was always way off in the distance until right. I got here. Yes. And yes, movement, yoga, meditation, breath work, eating well, spending time in nature. These are all things that I am a big uh, proponent of anyway. So in addition to that, what would you be recommending for anybody that is in the perimenopausal stage of their lives? In addition to all of those things that I just mentioned, what would be the next thing that you would recommend? Yeah. So I think it's really difficult to say like, here, do this, this is going to be great for you. Um, and have that apply to absolutely everyone. Um, one of the things that, you know, research has shown us um, is that, you know, there are so many different factors, um, you know, including things like, uh, you know, um, I mean, I mean, so many different factors, race, uh, even gender identity, um, you know, uh, reproductive history, uh, you know, general kind of health and well-being outside of the menopause transition. So, I mean, socioeconomic status, there's so many different factors that can influence a, a person's experience of the menopause transition. So to say, you know, here's this one approach, this is going to work for everybody. It's kind of um, that we kind of leave that to the pharmaceutical industry, you mm -hmm. know, where they're like, here, you can take HRT or, you know, that that's what you do, or you can just stick it out. Um, but from a, from a, from my perspective as a clinical herbalist, um, every single person who is kind of traversing this time in their life is a unique story, has a unique set of circumstances and is having unique experiences. And so, um, you know, to say, oh, you know, just go take black cohosh for your hot flashes or, uh, you know, you need to eat soy. Um, you know, these things are, they're, they're helpful in some circumstances, depending on that individual's, mm -hmm. you know, story, really. So, there is no, you know, and on top of, you know, really good nutrition, um, and, and we could talk about what that might mean, um, but also, and things like keeping your body moving. Um, there are different herbs that have a long history of use for, for example, uh, you know, supporting the nervous system. So here's a really big, interesting thing, especially when we're looking at, um, you know, the experiences of hot flashes and night sweats. And so you're... <laughs> I mean, talk about a, a psychological meltdown waiting to happen. So some women are experiencing the, these hot flushes and let's just say, 
you know, you're, you're in corporate America and you're the only female in the boardroom and you're standing up giving a presentation and all of a sudden you are just overwhelmed with sweat and it's coming out of every orifice and you're turning bright red and, uh, you know, and you're surrounded by this culture that, you know, um, tends to kind of shame the female experience anyway, if I could say mm -hmm. that. So, mm -hmm. so we have some extremes like that where they're like, I need something to help control my hot flashes. I cannot survive at the office with this happening. And, you know, and so we have to kind of dive in deeper and say, okay, well, what, what do you think is bringing this on? Because sometimes we see things like hot flashes are really being triggered by, um, you know, stress, uh, an acute, acutely, you know, like acute emotional experience or acute stressful experience. Uh, also, you know, sometimes triggered by blood sugar levels, you know, so um, you, it's been a couple hours since you've eaten anything substantial and all of a sudden your blood sugar starts dipping and like, boom, you end up with this, this whole hot flesh, which sometimes, you know, can actually even mimic almost like a, an anxiety attack or a panic attack. And so, you know, do we, do we need to look at supporting blood sugar? Do we need to look at supporting the nervous system and making that, you know, really supporting that stress response? And there's all different kinds of, what's wonderful about herbal herbalism is that there's all different kinds of herbs that can do these things um, and that you can really dial it in specifically to, to the individual. Um, and, you know, you know, moving on from there, thinking about the experience that some women have of, of night sweats, which, you know, you're waking up perhaps in the middle of the night, absolutely drenched. You have to change your, you know, your pajamas, you have to change the bed sheets sometimes. Um, and, you know, because of this, you're not getting very much sleep. Well, you wake up the next day and you're feeling absolutely exhausted uh, and irritable and anxious and all the other things that you would feel simply because you've lost sleep, not necessarily because you're, you know, going through the menopause. So, and so we have these, these kind of layers of psychology that get mixed mm -hmm. in as well. And so we can use herbs to help support, uh, you know, the body through, you know, sleeping um, and getting a better night's sleep. So, so there's all different kinds of ways that we can approach this uh, from an herbal perspective. Okay. And that makes sense. I love that it's customized and individual and very personal. Many years ago, maybe 10, 15 years ago, I went through a family herbalist training because I really wanted to understand how to use herbs in, in my family, in my day-to-day -day life. And it was very empowering. And I know that there are certain herbs that are considered adaptogens that you can take, and they just seem to know how to bring your body into balance. And so I guess I was trying to approach it from that perspective of what adaptogens could slash should I be taking to bring things into balance. But quite honestly, the more I did my own research, the more overwhelming it became because there were so many different suggestions. And I remember thinking, well, so at what point, like, should I be taking this or should I be taking this? That's a lot of herbs to take. And so I'm actually relieved to hear you say that it's very customized. And so I'm imagining that you do a pretty extensive intake questionnaire. Oh, yes, I do. Yep. And, and, and there isn't one that's kind of menopause specific. Um, it's literally just one form, uh, pretty much for everybody. And there's an area in there that really, you know, you can dive into menopause information or kind of the experiences that you're having. Because one of the things that I, I like to be very careful about, again, is, you know, jumping from this, you know, kind of traditional allopathic perspective that, 
the menopause is something that needs to be medicated. And, and we we're, we're getting this message, you know, not only historically from the pharmaceutical perspective, but also with the, you know, the, the dawning of the naturaceutical industry and the sheer amount of dietary supplements, supplements and natural products that are marketed to us, like, okay, I've hit the menopause or I'm hitting perimenopause and I need to take something. I need to take something because something's broken. Something needs to be fixed. Um, and so I, I really try very hard to like help because I've, to me, to me, that takes you to end up getting into a very disempowered place from, from that perspective when really, um, you know, if we zoom out even to the larger, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, psyche and spirit side of what the menopause transition can be, it is as, as, as critical a metamorphosis uh, of the body and of the mind and of the spirit as we see in, you know, um, and Menarche when we actually get our periods, you know, so from, from being, you know, young girls to, you know, becoming women, again, we have this amazing transition uh, for those of us who have children into motherhood. And then the menopause itself is this incredible moment in time where, you know, your entire body uh, it's communication system, right? It's hormones and the nerves um, and, and their interplay between each other. This whole communication system is completely rewiring, mm. completely and utterly rewiring. And so, you know, your, your thyroid might be involved in this rewiring process. You know, your nervous system is definitely involved in this rewiring process. And so this takes time um, and it, it can also lead to um, as we're all constitutionally different, um, it can illuminate areas of, of your wellness that need additional support. So perhaps it's your metabolism or, you know, again, your nervous system or this and that. Um, so, so I try not to medicalize it so much, even in my clinical intake forms, you know, it's like, okay, because if we're going to just have this form, that's all about that. Uh, to me, it just, it, 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 it makes it a, I don't know, a more of a, a problem than it is a part of life. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. It, it sounds to me like you're coming at this from a holistic perspective. So the whole being lifestyle, every aspect of ourselves, when it's optimally in balance, that's when we have created all the right conditions for everything to run smoothly. And when any of that, any part of that gets out of whack, um, the best way to get back into homeostasis is to bring, find out what is out of whack and bring it back into balance. So mm -hmm. I actually love that approach in my life. You know, I make my own skincare products and I eat organic. I'm very, very conscious and thoughtful about what I take in and what I put on my body. And so I wanted to approach menopause this time in my life with that same level of intentionality. So that's why I was reaching out to you because I was trying to do it on my own. I was trying to DIY that. Yeah, <laughs> I was trying to DIY my uh, perimenopause experience and it wasn't working. So yeah, I think that I'm gonna go through this process with you and, um, and let you help me hold my hand all every step of the way. Well, and that's interesting, isn't it? Because it's, you know, I think too, it, it speaks to this idea that, you know, most of these experiences are happening for women in isolation, right? I mean, how, how is often is it that we can, especially now with COVID and all of that, do we sit in community with, uh, you know, other women or other people our age who are experiencing the same 
the same transition and talk about it and have it be a part of normal conversation. Um, and, and I think that it can be a very isolating experience, um, you know, especially when your moods are shifting and you're even down to your sense of self and who you believe yourself to be is shifting. And everyone else expects you to stay who you are or who you were. You even might expect you to stay who you were, but you have this massive metamorphosis taking place and you're going to feel different. You're going to think differently. You're going to want different things by the time you end up on the other side. Um, and so to have to do that alone is, uh, I think, is a real challenge for a lot of women. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And that's a, it's a really good point because, interestingly, I'm not one of those women who really dreaded this. I mean, you know, I had fears around it because, like we've talked about, it's not painted in the prettiest picture, you know. In fact, I think my my stepson's even kind of made a joke to my, my husband about, oh, wow, you know, she's, she's going to be going through that change, dad, you know, like warning him. And yeah, careful. So, she might set you on fire. You right, know, <laughs> exactly. So here teenage boys, they already have this idea that when a woman goes through menopause, she goes a little bit crazy, but in spite of the societal um, idea of menopause. I've actually been looking forward to this. I've been looking forward to saying goodbye to my cycle. I was like, okay, I've, we had our relationship for a very long time. I'm not going to miss my cycle. And I'm noticing these other changes that are taking place that are not really, they're not all bad. There are a couple things that I would love to balance out, but I also realize I'm just going, I'm just entering into this. And so I do want to empower myself as much as possible. And to speak to what you were just talking about, I think it would be wise to find a support network of other women that are somewhere in this process. I, I know there are there are um, there are croning processes, you know, where women go through this this um, I don't even know what the word is, but um, ceremony, like a croning mm -hmm. ceremony, where they are now evolving to this next level, and I'm. I'm fully embracing it. Bring it on. You know, I, yeah. I feel like going on turning 50 this year, I've earned the, the awareness and the experience that I've gotten up to this point in time and my body's changing. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I guess I've, I've said it that I, I really want to do this as gracefully as possible mm -hmm. and embrace it fully mm -hmm. at the same time. Yes, yes. Well, and there, you know, there definitely are, you know, a lot of resources out there, um, lots of books to read, of course, and podcasts to listen to, uh, like this one, for example. Um, and it, you know, it really depends on, uh, you know, what aspect of the menopause, you know, a, a person is trying to tap into as far as um, you know, understanding and getting support for what's actually happening to them. And it's, you know, working in, uh, under this kind of auspice of trying to like do it as gracefully as possible. Um, you know, for some, you know, that might actually mean that like a lot of stuff in their life just completely changes. Their boundaries change, their relationships with their partners change, uh, you know, so, so, and there, there is a, a way of kind of approaching that, um, if we can take a moment to um, allow the aspect of, of the psyche and what's happening in that transition of a body and mind together um, to really kind of 
be looked at from a bigger picture. One of my favorite, um, one of my favorite resources actually is uh, a friend, dear friend and colleague uh, named Kathy Skipper uh, from um, uh, aromanosis.com and her and her husband, Florian, have been working um, specifically with uh, aromatics and the psyche and um, you know, especially for, you know, traversing transitions of becoming oneself uh, or things like the menopause. And Kathy actually wrote this wonderful workbook called The Alchemy of the Menopause, uh, which, you know, basically takes uh, a person through the different stages of, of alchemy, uh, starting with, with fire, which is that calcination and that burning, that hotness that you get um, and the transformative power that, that that can actually bring forth and, you know, walks you through the different stages of alchemy as they might relate to your menopause transition. And it's a really wonderful resource, um, I have to say. And, you know, especially if, um, I, I think the grace piece for me is really embracing the changes and embracing the idea that it's possible that you physically and in your psyche will not be the same person you used to be uh, walking in and then leaving. So I think that a lot of women struggle, a lot of people struggle um, because they're expecting themselves not to change. Um, and it's really, you know, uh, symptoms or no symptoms, uh, regardless of how severe they are, that, that that lack of gracefulness is really coming from your own inner um, resistance resistance mm -hmm. to the sheer magnitude of metamorphosis that's taking place. So, so that's, you know, that's kind of my perspective on it. I think embracing, embracing the, the whole as, you know, psyche and body. Uh, and if you are so inclined spirit as well, mm -hmm. um, and to see it from a, a much larger perspective than just, oh, I'm getting hot, you know, sweaty, uh, I don't want to have sex anymore. Or, you know, my, my stepsons are warning my husband that I'm going to set him on fire. <laughs> just like, I mean, where did they learn that? Right. <laughs> there is something really wrong that our, our young boys are, are, are seeing the menopause as this pathological, oh, watch out. She's going to get crazy on you. You know, right, Who's right. Taught, who taught them that you, you know, it makes you wonder. Yeah. Makes you wonder. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, where where were they exposed to that? Because we never talked about it. So, <laughs> yeah. So that's interesting. That is interesting because because I've been looking at this, really approaching this from the physiological changes that are going to be taking place. But there, but there's this whole. There are several other layers to this, and and I know personally, I've never shied away from that personal development evolution piece. So, so I, I feel confident that I, that I personally will embrace that. And I also think that, I guess when I think about hormone balancing, I think about emotional balancing. I think about energetic balancing. And, and I guess that's where I want to come from. I want to make sure that I'm, <laughs> maybe I have the same social conditioning in my head that my teenage boys do but I wanna make sure that I am not out of control emotionally. That hasn't yeah. happened. In fact, I feel great. I feel fantastic going into this. You know, I'm, I'm right now I'm not worried, but the, but the, 
the conditioning and the fear of what's been floating out there and that I've been hearing since since I watched my mom go through med. In fact, I had a conversation with her on the phone and told her that I got confirmation from my doctor based on my blood work that I am in the menopausal range. And, and I, I had noticed that I had started feeling um, anxiety, like moments of anxiety that I haven't really been very prone to. Like I've considered myself relatively emotionally balanced. I have the tools to work with that energy, but there were a few times where I felt, wow, like I'm actually feeling anxious to the point where I told my husband, I'm sorry if I'm a little snappish today, but I'm really feeling a little bit anxious. And also I've noticed, and I listened to another podcast where they were talking about menopause and, and I heard them mention it, which made me realize I'm not crazy. So again, this is where support comes in, right? But they were talking about how these strange scenarios would pop into their head that never had popped in before. Like all of a sudden your loved one leaves to go to work and you have this image of them getting into a fatal car accident or something. And I'm like, where, where is this coming from? Yeah. Because I don't really live in that place. I don't think that way, but all of a sudden, so there's, there's this little low level anxiety that pops up every now and then there's these fear-based images that pop up every now and then. And, um, and it, you know, bo my body's changing a little bit, putting on weight in certain areas, everything's kind of shifting and I'm okay with that. I'm embracing that too. But yeah, just really wanted to wrap my head around what, what, what's ahead? What am I, what am I, what am I in for in the next 10 years of my life? Right. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, what's interesting is that it's so easy for us to go, oh, you know, we, we need, it's like our hormones are out of whack. And now we're, we're thinking that all of a sudden that building's going to fall over and smash our car or like, <laughs> you know, like we, and, and, and this low grade level of anxiety that we, that we feel. And these are all real things, right? This is all really happening. It's not to, I'm not trying to like say, oh, you know, oh, don't worry about it. It'll all work out. But really, I think it goes to, sh to, to show how, um, you know, nonlinear and, and, and almost ecological, it's an ecological phenomenon taking place in the menopause transition that involves not just your hormones, uh, but your, you know, other aspects of your endocrine system, like your blood sugar regulation, your metabolism, and then of course your, your nervous system. And like I said, there's this like this complete rewiring and it's sometimes there are bumps in the road. So, mm. so we can talk about those, I think, because I, you know, there are some strategies for, you know, making sure that your body is getting what it needs to do the work that it was designed to do. Um, and one of the first things that I think um, is, is really like critical is looking at, you know, the, the strength and vitality of your digestion. And also with that coupled with nutrition and nutrition, um, you know, it's a complex topic simply because there's, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a ton of diet dogma out there and what might work for one person may not necessarily work for another. And I know that for a lot of, you know, people uh, approaching the peri perimenopause are going to start to notice metabolic shift. They're going to start to notice that their body is putting on weight in places that they're not necessarily super comfortable about. And it doesn't matter how hard they exercise or how little calories they consume, they still seem to be putting on this weight. And, you know, one of the first, one of the first pieces in that is, you know, looking at, 
you know, where our estrogen comes from after we no longer ovulate, right? So it's no longer coming from our ovaries. It's actually uh, being converted in fat uh, and, and to smaller extent, muscle tissue. Uh, from uh, hormones from coming out of our adrenal glands. So, so the body's metabolism, in my perspective, is shifting in as much as that it's, it's placing fat stores in, uh, in, in such a way that they become a richer source of estrogen as we, you know, so, so things that we can do in that regard, it's like, okay, we're looking for longevity here is, you know, em embracing these changes and making sure that we are uh, you know, that we're, we're getting enough nutrition, that we're not limiting our calories uh, to the point of, um, you know, causing problems for the body, you know. Um, and, you know, as well as really having a deep dive into um, things like digestion, where, you know, one of the most, one of the really important critical sources of estrogen, believe it or not, uh, during the menopause and a postmenopausal is actually that which gets recycled via the bowel. And so, you know, we have, um, you know, estrogen in the blood is actually filtered out um, through the bile uh, into the small intestine and travels with, um, you know, undigested food uh, to the colon itself, where it's then reabsorbed into the bloodstream. And so this kind of secondary absorption of estrogen back into the blood um, is a really critical source of estrogen for um, uh, 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 for a lot of women postmenopausal, and even during the menopause transition. And so there's been some research done uh, looking at dietary fiber and things like estrogen levels and menopausal symptoms. And what they've discovered is that women who have uh, higher fiber diets uh, tend to have less severe menopausal symptoms. Now, again, this is this is just a longitudinal study. It was like taking a slice out of time. Um, and so, you know, it's not to say that it's just, it's just an example where, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, are we, are you getting enough fiber? You know, are you having healthy bowel movements every day? Are you making sure that you're getting enough, like, you know, fresh vital foods in? Um, and I have this other thing too, where, you know, I, I think one of the things that happen for a lot of my clients anyway, is that they start putting on weight and they're trained to think that fats are bad. Fats are bad. So stop eating fats, go low fat, because if you go low fat, you know, everything's going to be better. Well, actually, in, in my opinion, professional opinion, and in my experience, it's actually quite the contrary, because you take away this really, and we're talking about good fats here. I'm not talking about like the sugary ice cream kind of fats, but like, you know, really good fats, um, you know, olive oil and uh, avocados and, you know, uh, you know, fatty fish, these kinds of fats um, are really, really critical for, uh, you know, kind of creating that solid foundation for kind of a good, strong hormone base, right? Um, and so, you know, they go from, they go to this low fat diet craze, which has got high carbohydrate, high, usually high processed carbohydrate, high sugar. And we end up, you know, that's to me really where a lot of the quote unquote pathological issues of aging actually start kicking in. Mm. Because I think a lot of women get scared, uh, you know, about things like, you know, uh, cardiovascular disease and, uh, you know, high cholesterol levels and uh, diabetes. And of course, then the big, the big nasty, the osteoporosis. And it's one of the things that menopause research has really brought to the forefront is that, you know, th there's a, a big question mark about which of these kind of 
um, you know, pathological processes are actually a direct result of the menopause itself or are actually just a, an expression of the aging process in general. And so, you know, again, this is like, okay, well, what do we need to do to take care of our bodies as they age? That to me is almost a better way of looking at it. So, yes, I agree. I like right? it. Yeah. So again, it's like really focusing on a strong digestion that's nutrient dense foods, staying away from, uh, you know, those processed, uh, carbohydrates, you know, and sugar, which is just literally the root of all evil, mm -hmm. um, you know, and making sure you're staying hydrated to the best of your abilities. Um, and, you know, sure, you know, sometimes, uh, things like multivitamins can be helpful. Extra antioxidants might be helpful, um, but again, you know, it, it doesn't mean that you have to turn around and go out and start swallowing, you know, uh, a whole Ziploc bag full of dietary supplements to make sure that you're doing all the right things. In fact, uh, too much is uh, sometimes harmful. So, so starting with really looking at nutrition, really looking at uh, digestion fortitude or the digestive fire, that's really where it begins uh, for me and my clients when we're working together. Um, and then we build from there, um, you know, so so other things that you can definitely do, um, I think, especially for things like osteoporosis, but also for your nervous system is, is the movement piece and metabolism as well and blood sugar. This is another, this is, seems like a no brainer, right? You know, if you don't move it, you lose it. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, it's so true, um, you know, and especially as we, uh, you know, as our bodies age and we, we have to expect that. Uh, you know, no, we're, we're not necessarily going to be able to go out and run that marathon when we're 80, but maybe we can. I mean, there's 80, 80 year olds out there that have been running marathons. Is 80 years old like the right time to start running? Probably not. <laughs> but, but, you know, but I think that, um, you know, the more that you can actively and intentionally move and use your body, uh, you know, the, the more that that's going to help with this overall picture of hormone transition that's taking place. So, um, and that, because it helps with blood sugar, it helps with the nervous system and all of these things helps with metabolism. And all of these things are just so interwoven. So, so those two right there are things that people can really just, they can run with, um, no pun intended. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like the, the approach to, anti-aging. And, and as I was listening to you talk, I realized that that is where, what I've been thinking about. That is where my head has been is how do, well, first it's been, how do I get through this transitional phase with grace and ease, but also how do I, how do I continue into, into the next 10, 20, 30 years of my life with as much grace and ease and, and, the ability to continue to move and travel and, and do all the things that, that I love to do. So I love that. I love that you said that, that felt like it immediately resonated for me. Yeah. Cause I, I do think it's a fascinating point. You know, we, we want, again, we want to jump on the, because we're having, we're having physical experiences. It's easy to you know, turn that into a pathological process. It's, mm -hmm. Menopause is a pathology. It's something that needs to be treated, but and it's very hard at that point to also divorce the experience of just a, a generally an aging body. Uh, and so, um, you know, if we start to peel these layers off, um, the, the, the bottom line is still the same. It's, like, it's really less about um, trying to medicate ourselves and, and more about, you know, um, 
embodiment and building healthy relationships with the physical body in as much as that we can then provide it with the, the nutrition and the movement and the love and the support that it needs to, to be its best self. In fact, uh, you know, I, I like to think of, um, you know, the, the menopause transition, ironically, as being one of those times in a, a person's life when they have the opportunity to really dive into that relationship with body, really dive into it. Um, and, and it's a powerful thing, you know, especially, I believe, because we've spent uh, you know, most of us spend the majority of our lives uh, disembodied. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just kind of, it's just kind of the cultural way of things. Um, and so, you know, to really kind of step into body, to step into body by paying attention to it and giving it its, that nurturing, um, it's quite a fantastic, it's quite a fantastic thing. Yeah. Yeah. I often say like in my yoga classes that the body is always striving for homeostasis. And our job is to create all of the right conditions so that can happen. And so that's what it sounds like you're saying through diet, diet, not by like going on a diet, but having a healthy diet and getting the right nutrition and, you know, metabolism, like you were saying, but also movement. And for me, a really, really big piece is spending time in nature, getting grounded in nature. And, and I think that that's a really good point that I'm taking to heart is to not turn menopause into a pathological problem that has to be dealt with, but to really fully embrace that this is simply a change and my body knows what it's doing. It's got got this. (laughs) It does. It does. Now that doesn't make like the symptomatic experience necessarily easier. Cause I mean, there's so many different factors, like I mentioned earlier, are, are going to influence the, um, the experience of, you know, the, the menopause transition symptomatically. And there are things out there that you can do. Um, you know, there are, there, there are herbs, for example, that have a really long history uh, of, of supporting uh, and feeding the nervous system and feeding the endocrine system. Um, and so it, it's less about crashing the plane and more about landing the plane. Um, you know, or jumping off a cliff and, you know, or, or landing a plane. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not going to say that, you know, these more natural approaches are going to remove your symptoms altogether. In fact, that's not going to necessarily be the case at all. Um, and arguably, if you're wanting a symptom-free experience, I mean, again, that's when we can turn to pharmaceuticals and say, okay, well, that that's going to be the role of pharmaceuticals. Um, and I mean, and there's, you know, there's time and place for both you know, this isn't like an either or scenario. I, I'm not the kind of clinical herbalist that likes to, to shame people's choices about things. And I, I know an, a, a really interesting um, phenomenon that takes place, especially kind of, you know, in the middle of the menopause, towards the end of the menopause, uh, and then of course, post-menopausally is, is this, uh, this concept of vaginal dryness. This is a big bummer for a lot of women. It's, it's a bummer because not only is it uncomfortable, um, you know, physically all the time, or sometimes maybe just occasionally, but not only is it physically uncomfortable, but it really can um, put a damper on intimacy and relationships. And this, of course, then has a, a very large psychological bearing. And so, um, 
you know, there are times and a place where it's like, okay, well, perhaps maybe, you know, depending on the severity of your symptoms, uh, you know, going and getting a localized estrogen cream is going to be a lifesaver for you. It's going to change everything. You know, you're, you're, uh, you're not going to feel like you got, you know, sandpaper all up tucked up in there and you're, you're, you're going to be able to have, uh, you know, intimate relations with your partner without it being painful. Um, and these things can be critical you know, uh, in and of themselves. And so, you know, part of my work, uh, you know, working with people who are, are traversing this incredible metamorphosis is making sure they have all of the information they need to make the best choices for themselves. And, you know, making sure that they have the information they need to approach their, their physicians or their gynecologists and say, okay, you know, this is what's going on. I really think that I'd like to try this estrogen, localized estrogen cream. What do you think? Do you think it's appropriate for me? Um, since I don't have that information, I'm not a, a medical doctor and I can't prescribe these things, you know, but I can, I can say, Hey, this is an option that's out there. Maybe you should go talk to your doctor about it. And so, you know, really the idea is then making sure you have your people and your network and your tools ready to go. So you can really make good decisions, um, as you kind of journey through this, this epic of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And I, and I appreciate th that you said that too, because I think that there are some symptoms for some people that they really need to manage them because, you know, it's too disruptive. Mm -hmm. Like the one you just talked about, you know, I could see that being a real challenge and, and I'm not sure if there's an herb on the planet who's going to fix that situation. Right. Hmm. Well, that being, I mean, there are herbs that can help, but at the end of the day that, you know, sometimes, you know, that if there was yeah. like a magic herb for that, we, you know, we wouldn't have that problem. You know, there wouldn't be such a thing as a localized estrogen cream. So, so sometimes we have to take, you know, we have to use the tools that are available to us to support um, our general well-being, and that can mean a lot of different things. I mean, the, the classic case of, uh, you know, the, a woman that I was working with who, was in corporate America and, um, you know, had, had been on HRT specifically because of this experience she was having, you know, being, leading this company and being in a boardroom surrounded by, uh, men who, you know, would watch her like take over with like sweating and just, um, it was coming across and it was affecting her business relationships. And at that point she had made that strategic decision, like, I need to get, I need to get rid of this. I can't function this way. And that was great for her. You know, the HRT worked really, really well for her. But then it came to a point where, you know, she started to feel like I can't, I don't want to be on this forever. She was concerned about, uh, you know, the increased risks to breast cancer and endometrial cancer, um, you know, cause there are, there are some risks involved, uh, you know, with, with HRT. And, um, and she needed to kind of figure out a way to step herself down without, you know, same thing, like without crashing the plane, you know, she wanted to land the plane. And so that's when, you know, she, we, we worked together and she was able to figure out a way between, you know, her prescribing physician and herself, a way to kind of taper herself off of these hormones and back into kind of more of a natural menopause transition, which, you know, with the help of, of nutrition and diet, um, some lifestyle changes for sure, uh, at some time, time is always key here. There's nothing that's going to instantly get, you know, shift. Um, you know, she was able to really have quite a, a, an empowering menopause transition after HRT. And so, 
you know, but that's a really perfect example. It's like she did what she had to do to to get by at the time. And to, to know that one strategy might work for you for, you know, a, a set period of time, but then you, you're going to need to shift your strategy. Um, and that's okay too. There isn't just one right way, I suppose, to to walk this path. Mm-hmm. There, there, and it, your 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 uh, your perspectives and your approach may change depending on how your body changes, uh, or how your moods change, or uh, how it impacts the relationships you have around you. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, those are all really, really great points. So if someone were to work with you, there's an intake process and then it's highly customizable so that you help them bring their full system into balance in all ways. And, and if somebody's specifically dealing with menopause symptoms, you know how to help them address that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, basically the way it works is, you know, it, you are, you are more than just your menopause is my kind of, I feel like this should be like a bumper sticker. T-shirt, right. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we do, we'll, we'll go through an intake uh, at which point we, we do a full, what I call full wellness, like inventory. Um, and it, we really go through every single body system systematically to see where you're at. We talk about things like your health history and your family history and, uh, you know, medications that you're taking, you know, all of the things we talk about your hopes and your fears. Um, we talk about things like stress, quality of relationships, support that you might have. Um, I oftentimes, you know, have my clients do, um, you know, kind of a, a day-to-day diet diary, just so I have like some, some data about like what they're actually eating and drinking on a regular basis. And, um, and then we, we just kind of go from, from there, um, you know, once I've kind of done a, a constitutional assessment, um, is what we call it in, in clinical herbalism, a constitutional assessment, we can move through areas where your body might need some extra support as you are moving through this menopause transition. And so this might be nutrition, this might be digestive fire, this might be metabolism, this might be blood sugar, um, you know, support, this might be nervous system issues. Um, so it really just depends. Mm-hmm. It depends on, on where that person is co- like constitutionally needs to be supported. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And there's always herbs involved. I, um, you know, I, I, they, they, they are my greatest allies in this world, the plants and, um, they're, they're always present, um, you know, and sometimes we start very simple, you know, perhaps it's just, um, you know, supporting the liver, um, perhaps maybe it's just, you know, um, bringing in some digestive bitters so we can, uh, you know, we can really support, you know, the, the assimilation of nutrients and from, you know, foods. It, it just, it could be very simple. It doesn't have to be like, let's put 50 herbs in a bottle and say here. Um, sometimes it could be one or two, or perhaps, uh, you know, perhaps it's just uh, working with a blend of dried herbs for, you know, regular daily tea. Um, it really depends. Uh, so, and I, I also tend to go with this approach that less is often more. Mm-hmm. You know? And so instead of just like throwing a whole bunch of like changes uh, here, do all this, change your diet completely. And oh, by the way, you need to start, you know, doing cardio seven days a week. And you need to, you know, instead of throwing a whole bunch of stuff on a person to say, this is all the things you need to do to, to fix yourself. We, we work from the kind of the person out, if you make, if that makes any sense. So mm-hmm. we focus on the person and what they need um, and what they're capable of making, you know, changes to. And step by step, we work our way out to the, the periphery. 
And that by the time of it, you know, they've actually built this whole system of being that's going to be very different, uh, very, very supportive to them as they, as they traverse the menopause. So. Mm, yeah, I love that working from the inside out. And another thing you said that, that is one of my personal mantras is less is more. I love that simplistic approach mm-hmm. because if it's anything beyond that, I start to get overwhelmed and it starts to be not sustainable for me. So if someone is interested in working with you, I'm going to put all of your information in the show notes, but how can they find you? Oh, well, uh, you can go to my website. It's Sovereignty Herbs and that's SovereigntyHerbs.com. Um, and if you go to, uh, you know, uh, health and wellness appointments, you'll see there's uh, information there about how to get in touch with me. And I'm, I currently offer, um, you know, 15 minute free sessions, which, you know, I think, you know, working with a clinical herbalist can be a little bit mysterious. Like, what is this like Harry Potter? Like, what do you do? What do you, what is this all about? <laughs> and a lot of people, you know, have difficulty investing in something that they don't quite understand. So that and uh, you know, sometimes it's not the right path. And so I like to be able to do like a meet and greet with, you know, prospective clients to say, this is, this is who I am. This is how I work. This is what to expect. Um, they have a chance to tell me a bit about what's going on with them. And from there, we can kind of figure out, uh, you know, whether or not it's the right fit, uh, or, you know, they can ask questions about things like payment plans or, uh, you know, whatever it is. Um, you know, my goal is to make sure that, you know, each one of my clients has made an intentional and very empowered decision to work together. Um, so, so people can, you can just send in that little form, email form, and it will send me a message and I get right back to you. We set up a free 15 minute call. Uh, and from there we, we can get you booked in. Great. Well, be looking for one of those forms from me. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation and it kind of is a relief to know that, you know, this, that just that statement that my body, my body's got this, this is a natural process. My body knows exactly what it's doing and that it's not something that needs to be feared. So that's a good thing. Yes, it is. It's good to hear. Well, thank you so much, Erica. And you're on all of the social media outlets, Facebook, Instagram. That's right. Yep. I've even got a YouTube channel if you're interested in things like growing and and identifying plants. Uh, You can check me out on YouTube as well. Oh, great. All right. Good to know. All Mm. right. Thank you so much. Thank you. We're lovely to talk to you. This episode is brought to you by my book, Showing Up Naked. Showing Up Naked is a guided journey of self-discovery where you get to start peeling away the layers to your authentic self. Know, love, and trust yourself like never before. For more information on my book, yoga classes, and yoga travel, visit ericaboucher.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of All Ways Evolving. Please feel free to share this episode with anyone you think might appreciate it. And if you enjoyed this podcast, let me know by leaving me a five-star rating. Until next time, keep learning, keep growing, keep evolving.